Hi, I'm Steve Addison, and this is the Movements Podcast. The podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're going to revisit with Gary Stump, pastor of the Onward Church in Indianapolis. Last time we talked to Gary, he'd been through a major transition from gathering a congregation to making disciples. Gary, last time we talked, uh, you and your folk were about to launch uh, or had launched 100 Discovery Bible Studies in your community. I think there was 500 people and half of them were not yet believers. Yes. So yes. What, what what happened? Well, uh, many of those people came to Christ and uh, I've seen, the, I, I don't probably don't track the numbers as well as I should, Steve, but um, I'm seeing people come to Christ in numbers unlike anything I've ever seen in uh, my ministry. Uh, those groups have grown. Uh, we're to five and six generations of groups. We have um, um, probably close to 150 groups at least. And one of the things that I'm learning to do better is to have our folks track generational growth. Because once you get out to about the third or fourth, well, the fourth generation, you begin to really lose track of who's out there unless you're very meticulous about record keeping. And honestly, I'm not as good at that as I should be probably. And uh, so uh, my Gary, right just, just army, explain to mm-hmm. us, what, what is this uh, generational growth? Uh, well, the, our, our objective is not just to keep inviting people to come and the groups get bigger and bigger. But when you lead a person to Christ, our hope, our objective immediately is that they will then lead someone to Christ, and the one they lead to Christ will lead someone to Christ. So you have multiple generations of believers. Mm -hmm. And just like there are multiple generations of believers, there are multiple generations of groups where an individual starts a group, and from that group, one or more of the people in that group begin a group. And uh, then someone from that group begins a group, and pretty soon you get out uh, four, five generations of groups. And when that happens, I start losing track of. I know the uh, the missionaries around the world would uh, uh, cringe at the the suggestion that I would lose track. I know they're better at that than I am, but but you begin to lose track of how many generations mm-hmm. and how many groups are out there. So we've tried to use numbers when we share numbers with you that are exceedingly conservative. I really believe we have many, many more groups than I'm giving you numbers on. It's just, honestly, I, I am not sure where they all are. Um, we had a, we had a young man who called one of our practitioners, uh, Troy Cooper, and he called Troy and he said, Troy, you remember about a year ago, you talked to me about starting a group and I told you I wasn't interested. Um, I didn't feel like I could do it even though you gave me some training. He said, but I want to tell you that I started a group in our neighborhood with a few of our neighbors and several of them are lost and it's just going exceedingly well. And Troy said, that is fantastic. He said, what are you using? He said, I don't know. I'm using this Bible study by this guy, Gary Stump, named Through the Bible. And Troy got the biggest kick out of that, Mm -hmm. that it had gone full circle and we were able to find out about that. Otherwise, 
none of us would have known that that was that that was happening that way. Gary, and, do, you, uh, do you mean people are, are leading others to Christ and making disciples and forming groups without your permission? <laughs> Not only without my permission, without my knowledge. I don't even know. Oh my goodness. I, I've lost track of that, which is exactly what I want to happen. I'm not trying to hold on to this. I want yeah. us to just help encourage uh, something to begin that would spread. So, Gary, is, is uh, I mean, this is something, um, I guess, in your ministry, unprecedented. Uh, mm-hmm. as you, you're still in the middle of it, but... But what what are you learning from this experience? Um, yeah, I I guess first and foremost is that the Great Commission actually works if we'll do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the comments I get from my uh, pastor colleagues so often when we start talking about disciple making is, uh, "Well, that happened in China, or that happened in uh, somewhere else around the world, but that can't happen in the United States." and um, uh, frankly, Steve, I'm just I'm too old to mm. put up with that kind of foolishness anymore. So I just tell them straight up that what you're saying to me, if you're telling me T for T will not work in the United States, is what you're saying is the Great Commission will not work in the United States because mm. T for T is nothing more than actually a process to do to obey the Great Commission, and uh, so. I don't know. I guess that's one of the advantages of getting a little older. You can speak your mind and they excuse you either as senile or you're the old sage. One of the two. I don't know. So. <laughs> you're no longer a, an, an angry young man. You're a grumpy. Yeah, old there man. you go. Yeah. There you go. That's it. Probably. Sure. Well, be 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 reassured, because when it's happening everywhere in the United States. Yes. Uh, in Australia and New Zealand and England and wherever else they'll say, Oh, that always happens in America. It won't happen yes. here in Melbourne. Yes, right, right. And, uh, Absolutely. But we, we've refined it. Ah, oh, that, that'll happen in the eastern suburbs. That's the Bible yes. Belt. It doesn't happen exactly. in the western yes. suburbs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I know. That's the kind of uh, arguments that we get. And, yeah. and uh, I just I know that this is, I, I'm just convinced that this is what the Spirit is saying to mm. the church. Yes. You know, calling all people. As my son has a song he wrote, hmm. says, "Calling all people, come out from the steeples. Let love put a plow in your hand." Hmm. And the idea is to let's leave, not not leave the churches. Of course, yeah. I'm pro church. Jesus hmm. is pro church. What I'm saying is, let's not expect that the disciple making happens inside the building on Sunday, yes. but yeah. rather it happens out in yeah. the neighborhoods and workplaces and what we call third places. Hmm. On Monday morning when the phones ring and the real world begins. Yes. And that's where it's got to happen. Yeah. We've got to change the locus of disciple making hmm. and engage every Christian uh, to be a disciple maker. Hmm. When uh, we, we were listening to Ying Kai and one of the things that he said that really resonated with me is that uh, a disciple does what his master does. Therefore... Hmm. Until you are making disciples, you are not a disciple yourself. Mm. You're maybe a Christ follower or a convert Mm. or a Christian, but you are not a disciple until you're making disciples. And the people that you lead to Christ are not disciples until they're making disciples. Mm. And I thought, what a simple, profound, solid biblical truth. 
that until we're making disciples, we're not a disciple. And until our disciples are making disciples, they are not disciples. Mm. So our objective, obviously, is to make disciples who make disciples, hence training for trainers. And uh, that resonated simplicity and truth to me. Now, you mentioned uh, Yinkai. uh, Right. And... I understand he's he's just visited. Yes, and he yes. he wrote. Uh, well, first of all, he didn't write. He, he wrote a book, but first of all, mm-hmm. uh, he saw a phenomenal move of God in East 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 Asia, numbering right. hundreds of thousands. Yeah, and uh, yes. then he and Steve Smith wrote uh, T for T Discipleship Re Revolution. Right, and right. we'll we'll post a link to that that important book on on the uh, blog. Yes. So he, Yin Kai has come to town, and uh, what, yes. what was that like? Well, we just had an opportunity to invite him, and, and uh, by God's grace, he said yes. And he and his wife, Grace, came and spent three days with us. And uh, they came to our gathering on Sunday morning. Uh, one of the things we do is gather to scatter. And uh, so uh, it, it's truly most of the trainers and leaders were there, and and he was able to encourage them and affirm them. Then he did some training. But one of the things that I was particularly excited about, um, uh, and, it, and it, it relates to uh, just kind of an aha moment I had when um, one of our most effective practitioners uh, was a life insurance agent in his 60s who got a hold of T4T, had been in a small group, for over 10 years with the same group of people. He loved them. They were close. They did life together. And he kept saying to them, something's missing in my spiritual walk. Something is not, as much as I love you all, it's just not totally coming together. And and uh, they kept saying, no, no, Ron, you're a great guy. Quit worrying about that. And then Ron was introduced to T4T, and we had the opportunity to train him. And he launched out his first group, And then from that first group, there were three groups that were launched from that. He started two other Discovery Bible studies with lost people. And he says, by the way, Gary, you have never studied the Bible until you've studied it with a lost person. Mm -hmm. Their insights, their way of approaching the text, the way they see things that you don't see, and the excitement that comes over them Mm. when they are for the first time discovering God's truth. He said, it is amazing. So he was sold, and he kept training groups and pushing other groups out, and now he has, I know, a sixth-generation group. He has all together in, in the groups that he's started and influenced, he has 16 groups in his downline or whatever you want to call it, and he was a, a, a very professional life insurance agent. Then we go to a conference with Jeff Sundell, and I meet Fred and, Therese, and uh, Melissa Campbell. And uh, it dawns on me, just kind of this aha moment, well, Lord, maybe you're going to use Christian business and professional people to really grab a hold of the disciple-making movement in the United States. Maybe that's who you intend to use. And I came out of a business background. I was 20 years in the business world before I became a pastor. And T for T and the multiplication process that it promotes makes so 
much sense to me hmm. that I don't even understand why you wouldn't say, oh, this is it. This is the way that it needs to it needs to happen. And uh, maybe that, I don't know if that's business thinking or pastoral thinking. I don't care. But hmm. but my thought is I've talked to so many pastors who who seem to not be interested in, in hearing about this. Yes. Although, by the way, that is changing rapidly. I believe more and more pastors are seeing that uh, this is the way to reach our nation, our communities, our world, is with every Christian engaged in the Great Commission. And um, so uh, with that thought, I thought one of the most important things I wanted Yin Kai to do while he was in Indianapolis is to allow him to cast some vision for what it might look like if a disciple-making, church-planting movement would explode across our community. And um, um, I, I was able to, to have a uh, PowerPoint presentation of the multiplication of churches across the mission field that Ying Kai was responsible for. And, um, and you could just see these churches month by month exploding across this area until the whole area was covered with churches. And so Ying Kai kind of shared his story in his humble, quiet, beautiful way. And then uh, Fred Campbell kind of cast some vision for his plan that he's had to reach Austin. And in this room of a, uh, at lunch, 100 and at breakfast, 50 business people, Christian business people, I was able to do that, cast that vision, and then show those slides of uh, that expansion of the churches across uh, Ying Kai's mission field. And then the last slide, I superimposed a picture of the metropolitan statistical area of Indianapolis. And the area where Ying Kai was, the best I could calculate, was 3,861 square miles. And the Metropolitan Statistical Area of Indianapolis is 3,863 square miles. And mm. I didn't think that was a coincidence. Mm. And that last slide showing what if that happened yes. here in Indianapolis, what would, what would we think? Mm. And um, I know God used that to grab the hearts of many of those mm. high-caliber business leaders, key people, who said, we want to be trained. And so... We've been training them the last couple of weeks. Uh, uh, tomorrow morning is the second session of lesson two that we're doing. And, wait, uh, wait a minute, I'm, I'm Gary. I'm I'm used to pastors getting those those key business leaders together and right. doing the PowerPoint slide. Yeah. Then you ask them for money, <laughs> and you send yes. them home. They write the check. Yes. You send them home, Amen. and then no. you and, and and the workers you employ no. get the you. You actually want these people to do something. Yes, I'm asking them to be trained in T for T without any any connection. Matter of fact, uh, Onward Church was never once mentioned. Mm. It, it there was not a word about it. We paid our own. Ex, you know, it was our expense. The church's expense paid for the lunch and for the breakfast and for having Ying Kai here. And we don't, I don't want anything from this other than I want my fellow Hoosiers to come to know my Jesus. Mm. That's it, Steve. Mm. It, it's simple as that. 
I want them to know the grace and the peace and the incredible joy that's found in an intimate relationship with the living God through the living son. And I want them to know him and it would transform our communities and our, and our cities and our states and our nation. And it's the only hope in the world because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only message on planet earth that can change a human heart from the inside out. Mm. And I want people to know Jesus. That's it. So whatever I can do that God would give me the opportunity to cast some vision and to engage Mm. quality, godly leaders in the job of disciple making. That's what I want to do. So uh, we were very excited about the results and how many of the business people said, I'll make a commitment six weeks, two hours a week to be in training to learn how to make disciples who know how to make disciples. Mm. So uh, we haven't even begun to see what that might be yet. And uh, we did we did have a bunch of them share their faith story last week, mm-hmm. as they promised they would, and share the gospel. And uh, we had a few that believed, but uh, um, it's just been really exciting to see that happen. So I'm so indebted to Ying Kai and Fred Campbell and the others who, who came to help us uh, uh, just cast some vision mm. for reaching our community for Christ. So, mm. And we've just interviewed Fred and Melissa down in, right. uh, in Austin mm-hmm. and got their heart and passion for their city. Uh, and it's just wonderful to hear what's what's uh, boiling away now here in, in um, Indianapolis. Yes. I know Jeff Sundell's uh, vision together with you and others is, uh, I think it's now 55 cities that uh, yes. they want to prioritize. And I think the, the sense is, you know, this is just the start. Yes. We, we, can, we can reach 55 cities and whatever yeah. it takes to see that begin to happen uh, mm-hmm. is, is just what we're going to need to do to reach every city. And- Amen. And and it will spill over to the nations, um, right? Yeah, these are. I'm, well, go on. Yeah, well, I'm I'm the. Uh, uh, it's a volunteer position, but I'm the senior chaplain for Fishers Police and Fire Departments in in Fishers. We're a community of about eighty five thousand people, and um, Fishers was voted the safest city in the United States with populations over seventy five thousand. And just an incredible place to live, one of the top places to live. Hmm. And uh, my thought is, um, like like when a forest fire starts in one place and then it spreads to millions of acres hmm. sometimes, horrible fires, what if the gospel would spread like that? Yeah. And so that's why my focus has been so on our community, even though I have a heart for all over the world, everyone hmm come to know Jesus. But my thought is if we can get it started here and then Fred gets it started in Austin and, mm. and uh, we're talking to some people in Nashville and North Carolina and all around the world, California, and, and we just just see the gospel spread all across our nation because these little fires have started all over. Yes. It just seems to me that's what God is doing today. Yes. How awesome that and Fred, anything else you learned out of your time with Ying Kai, either sort of formally in yes. the sessions or just being around him? Um, what else came out of those days you had? Yes. Uh, one of the things, you know, one of the early things we heard is 
um, Ying Kai had six lessons, but you take the lessons of disciple making and you culturalize them and set them to your culture and so on. And then after listening to him hmm. list the six lessons that he does, I don't know why anyone would say that. I think, hmm. I think his lessons are not to be improved upon. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he uses this metaphor to outline his six lessons. Now, just the, to be clear, these are the six lessons for a new believer. They're sort yes. of the foundational early days discipleship. Yes. How do, uh, how do you train a Christian to make a disciple who would know how to make a disciple? Mm. Or how do you train that brand new Christian okay. to be a disciple? Either way. Okay. So and, it could uh, also be an existing believer but you're wanting them to get on a solid foundation, either new yes. or existing believers. How can we yes. become disciples who make disciples? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And um, his idea was that uh, he sees everyone as one of two people, lost or saved. The lost person he would share the gospel with, and uh, if they came to Christ, he immediately began to train them how to make disciples. The Christian he trained to make disciples. So those six lessons are similar, both whether they're an existing Christian or new Christian, and uh, we're doing exactly the same lessons either way. But um, he, he used this metaphor to outline um, one, of, one of the issues that I've seen in T4T is a lot of times we talk so much about the why of disciple making that we still never teach someone how to make a disciple who would know how to make a disciple. And that hard work of going one lesson after another, walking through those short-term discipleship lessons, and making sure you have delivered to a Christian, whether they're brand new or whether they're an experienced Christian, you deliver to them a package of this is how you make a disciple. And uh, one of the, not a convert, not not a decision, this is how you make a disciple who would know how to make a disciple. And uh, so uh, the, the metaphor that he uses, the thought that he uses to outline how you do that is a baby. And he said, first of all, the baby needs life. So the first thing you have to talk to them about is assurance of salvation. And very uniquely, he uses the word assurance of salvation, not in the classic security of the believer or not security of the believer debate, but in the sense that you first have to know that you're saved. How do you know that you have eternal life? And he does that by sharing the gospel with them. So in that lesson one, you teach them how to share their faith story. You teach them how to share the gospel. And uh, so that's lesson one. Then he said the baby has to breathe. So lesson two is prayer. And Uh, teaching that new disciple about prayer and how to pray. And then the baby needs to eat. So lesson three Mm -hmm. is the Word of God. How do you study the Word of God? And how do you teach the Word of God to someone else? And I'm convinced using inductive Bible studies that we can have brand new believers lead amazing Bible studies and still stay out of error. Then... Uh, lesson, the next lesson is the baby needs a family. So you talk about the church and, and what you have to be in a, in a family. You have to be in a body of believers. 
and what is the church and what does that look like? And then lesson five is the baby needs a dad, needs a father. And that's about the father's will. And how do you follow God's will? And how do you know if you're walking with the Lord? And just a great lesson on that. And then finally, the baby needs to go to work when it grows up. And that's the great commission. So now you have to reproduce what you've been taught. And uh, so those are the six lessons that he's used and very similar to what we were doing. But my thought is it's it's so simple mm. and you can explain that metaphor one time and, and mm. people just get it. Yes. And so I thought, there, there you go. That's what we're going to do. So uh, we're revising our lessons to be consistent with those and frankly, just doing what he's doing. Mm. There's another value to that, though, Steve, in my thought is the hundreds and hundreds of hours that we spent revising lessons when what he already had was better than what we revised, mm. <laughs> that, was, mm. that was a lot of sideways energy now, I think. Mm. Um, I don't know. Maybe I, I know God used that to help us get our head around the ideas. Yes. But, uh, but if we had just done the lessons that he showed from the beginning— I'm sure I think we would have gotten where we are a little quicker, <laughs> well, frankly. So what we'll do then um, is we'll post a link to uh, the, the the six lessons that Yin Kai has developed. Uh, they'll be available on, on the blog page for this uh, podcast. And we'll also mm-hmm. post a link to um, the new revise, well, the your your uh, version or your production of, of these mm-hmm. six lessons. And I think you said you've got the first two done. Yes. Uh, yeah. And then future ones will, will, will be available, but we'll direct people to where they can have a look at what you've done with Yinkai's six lessons. Right, right. Mm. And very little change, but uh, just, just a couple of things, maybe helpful, maybe not. Mm. But uh, I just think, <coughs> excuse me, I think, one of the advantages of doing that is um, I think it would help the movement to stay more consistent. Mm. Uh, that's for people to decide on their own. But um, um, I, I don't think we need to reinvent the wheel. Maybe as much, I, I know we didn't need mm. to reinvent the wheel as much as we spent time reinventing it. So, yes. uh, you know, just what that's in the for what it's worth department. If that's mm. helpful, yes. fine. If not, ignore what I just said. Mm. But uh, well, we had uh, – mm-hmm. go ahead. Sorry. No, sorry. you go ahead. You go ahead. Well, um, w- one of the questions we get a lot, and I, I just love the answer to this. I asked him this question because we've asked, been asked this a lot. There were there – were, every time we share with a pastor, they say, well, I can see how this would make disciples, but what kind of disciple would it make? Mm-hmm. Meaning, obviously – any kind of rapid multiplication would mean that the Christians were a mile wide and an inch deep. They would not be growing deep in their faith. Mm. Obviously, they would be very novice Christians. That's the assumption. And so I asked Ian Kai, okay, we, we're, we're sure that T for T makes disciples. What kind of disciples does it make? And he answered immediately. He said, it makes super disciples. I said, explain. He said, it makes a disciple that knows how to make another disciple, knows how to lead a Bible study, know how, how to lead an effective group, 
in a three-thirds process, knows how to hold people accountable, knows how to pray, knows how to study God's word, and knows how to reproduce others doing the same. He said, yes, no doubt about it. T for T produces super disciples. And I mm. thought, amen, what a great answer. <laughs> yes. And, uh, yeah. and when you stop and think about it, every pastor would say, yeah, probably mm. would do a pretty good job of doing that if you have people actually uh, doing all that yeah. they can do when T for T when they're doing that. So mm. great stuff. Well, Gary, I'm I'm wondering. I, I want to bring it back to what God's called you to to do there um, in Indianapolis. Uh, as as you've seen the progress in the field, and there must be hundreds of people now doing Discovery Bible Study. You've had the input from Yinkai, and doors have opened with uh, business and community leaders to train them. What do you think your your greatest challenge is right now? What is it that that's you've really got to wrestle with and get on top of to, to move forward? Sure. Um, one of the things that we are wrestling with is I know as the movement began to expand under Yinkai's ministry that every few months they develop training centers. And we're struggling with what that should look like. Uh, my son-in-law is uh, getting his doctorate at Southern Theological Seminary in Louisville uh, right now, and he's writing papers and doing a lot of research on what the training line ought to look like mm. as we move forward. We're going to have to provide an, another level of training, and uh, so we're really wrestling with that right now, trying to figure that out. Uh, honestly, we've had a couple of uh, uh, starts and uh, kind of hit to the point where we said maybe you know, that probably didn't work the right way. So I, I guess we're right now kind of like Thomas Edison. We're giving you re things that won't work or haven't worked for us. So we're kind of learning that process right now, and that's been a challenge. I know we have to continually um, continue to feed and encourage our leaders who are doing their work, and and uh, we want to provide all the support and theological foundation, everything they need to be the leaders God wants them to be. So a whole leadership development program we're mm. trying to figure out. And uh, uh, we haven't gotten that figured out yet. So if somebody knows exactly how to do that, holler at us. We'd love to but, hear. But you know, as you see that progress in the field, um, just as Jesus did with, with the 12 mm -hmm. and the 70, uh, your priority has got to be how do, how do we grow and uh, multiply godly, biblically sound leadership in right. the field. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah, they, they have to be um, godly leaders in every way. First, mm. first Timothy 3, Titus uh, 1 leaders that uh, can be the kind of leaders in the church that you want them to be. And uh, so that's been one of the challenges. Another has been, um, honestly, how to track. I, there's something mm. in me that in some ways resists hmm. wanting to track too closely. I want to be able to know that we're not fooling ourselves, that more people are coming to Christ um, in, in significant numbers, in, in, uh, in enough that it would begin to impact uh, neighborhoods and hmm. workplaces and so on. And um, we're, we're beginning to see that, but I don't want to fool myself about that and pretend that's happening when it's not. Um, Last Sunday, 
uh, one of our our guys that would be most likely voted the least likely man to ever share his faith. Uh, I was walking past and he stopped me and he said, uh, uh, his wife stopped me and said, I want you to know that Jerry yesterday shared his faith with his grandson, led him to Christ and baptized him. Mm. And um, I know that's a small anecdotal story, but you would have to know Jerry if you, he went through the training kind of like this. I will do the training because you asked me to pastor but don't ever think I will ever share my faith once. I'm too shy. I'm too withdrawn. Mm. I'm too afraid. That's not going to happen. And, and uh, yet he leads his grandson to Christ and baptizes him. And uh, what a joy that was. We had a, we had a lady who uh, uh, she works at a hospice and eternally ill patients and uh, very concerned with uh, that they would know Christ before they would pass of course and uh so with care and properly uh she would engage them in conversation and as they brought up spiritual things she would share her faith story in the gospel this one man put his faith in christ and uh she talked to him about baptism and he said he wanted to do that so as she was walking out of the room just kind of celebrating uh she ran into the chaplain and she said um you know Mr. So-and-so in that room just put his faith in Christ and he wants to be baptized and I'm going to baptize him. And the chaplain said, you can't baptize him. And she said, I most certainly can and I know how. (laughs) That just blessed my heart Mm. that she would know. She felt confident in making disciples, knowing the Great Commission commanded her to Mm. be a baptizer. Mm. And uh, I was just so blessed by you know, just small anecdotal stories, but but clear evidence that God is at work, and we're seeing people come to Christ. It's been it's been pretty exciting. So, Gary, um, what would you say to someone listening in right now and saying, "Well, how how do I get started?" Um, well, first of all, I would I would strongly encourage you read the book and uh, read T for T, a discipleship mm-hmm. re revolution. Uh, which will give you some overview. But there is a tremendous amount of help, Steve, on, on your blog, on, on sources, uh, uh, T4T online, uh, different resources they can connect through your uh, blog to be able to uh, learn about this process. I would say don't believe that you know what making disciples means until you've looked at it through T4T eyes. Um, uh, when I talk to pastors about, you know, we're, we're engaged in disciple making movement and, and, and they'll say, Oh yeah, so are we. And it's like, no, you know, I, I know what you mean, pastor, but I don't think you are. Mm. I, I think you are. I just don't think your folks are. Yeah. And what if you got them engaged? And, uh, so, uh, I would say, do some, do some research, do some education and notice that everywhere around the world where the gospel is exploding, these same concepts are being used. And um, the, the come to our building and listen to the gospel, I believe that day is gone. And there is a new day where God's saying, go to all the nations all over the world and share the gospel. And how do you do that specifically? How do you do that? Uh, I would say get some training. Or get the lessons and 
you train someone and as you train them, you'll learn it yourself. Hmm. But there has to be a point where you get trained on how to make a disciple. And then as you make that disciple, then making sure they're pushing out future generations of disciple makers as well. So, um, I, you know, get some information and then do it. Here's, here's what Ying Kai said. He said, there are three steps to answer your question exactly. He said, pray, keep it simple, and just do it. <laughs>